When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. Don't forget, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. I have a couple stories up about the disaster in Dallas today. And one story, including talking to the players in the locker room about their thoughts on the coaching situation and why they don't feel like it's something that they're really focused on. Um, but I'll get into that in a minute. I also have a story up now about Jackie Taylor, the daughter of Sean Taylor. It's been 16 years, folks. And so I wanted to check in with the daughter, and she earned a scholarship to to North Carolina. But I talked to her a lot about the journey um, that she's traveling and, and how important it is to her to keep alive her father's legacy and how just by how she's gotten closer to him by playing volleyball and and earning that scholarship. So just a really impressive young lady. And I think, I think you'll enjoy the read because it does speak to where she's gone and, and, and really their lives. Now I didn't get into all this, but obviously I think, you know, her, uh, Sean Taylor's fiance remarried a few years after he died, but um, this uh, Jackie Taylor's stepdad has been there. They have a very good relationship, which is a good thing. Um, but I think that, playing volleyball, doing this, it's helped Jackie Taylor feel more connected to Sean. And again, the keeping alive his legacy is very important to her. So give that a read. It's up on ESPN.com right now. Also, I will not be doing a film review over the next couple of days. If I do one, it'll be next week. Um, hopefully have a podcast up Monday. Not a whole lot more to say about this debacle, not just the game, but the season. But I'm going to keep talking because that's what this podcast does. I can't go be on here and just be silent, even though sometimes it might be saying the same things. Or you just I could just play some of my previous podcasts, say, here, here's a best of, because what I said last week, ditto this week. So we're back at it, folks. Anyways, let's wrap up this 45 to 10 debacle, but not focusing so much on the game because we saw what we saw and I'll get to some of that in a, in a, in a, in a little bit, but got to start off with the coaches. Cause that's the number one topic. And everybody, every time something goes wrong, it's fire this guy, fire that guy. When are they going to do this? Why aren't they doing that? Why aren't they doing it right now? And I still may, I still keep hearing that there's nothing has changed. They don't, you know, the, the, the desire is to wait until after the season, giving them a full season and then making a decision. There's no, as told you before, there's really no benefit to them to doing it now. It may make you feel better, but then it's not going to help. I don't think it helps their evaluation of things. And it's not just evaluating the coaches. I think they want to evaluate where this team is and just where these players are. What kind of players are they? How do they respond to this? Who's worth keeping around? We're at that point now where you have to make decisions on guys and their futures. 
and how best to evaluate them. Is it to make changes and, and disrupt it even more? Or is it just to keep a status quo as bad as it is getting and then and then make the evaluation there? And people are worried about, they got to hold someone accountable. All right, well, they're going to be held accountable at the end of the season. They'll be held accountable. If they don't come back, then they weren't held accountable. If they don't, if they get fired, then they were. And and right now, it's certainly trending that way. I mean, barring some sort of big, major, major turnaround that nobody could foresee coming. But that's where that's where we're, that's where it's headed. So they will be held accountable. And I think it, I think I've said this before, but I think for Josh Harris, I think it's important to establish the kind of owner you want to be. And we already have seen this with him in other sports, how he is um, as an owner. And he's very patient, very process oriented. So I think it's okay to get all the information possible because nothing's going to salvage this season. And you, they could go out and fire Ron Rivera, but we asked Charles Leno about this in the locker room afterwards. And he's like, okay, for who? Who's going to take over? And for those of you saying the enemy, I can tell you in that locker room, it's not something that they're saying. So whether or not they want him in the future, it's not something they're saying now. So, you know, I don't think they feel like that's the solution to what's going on right now. As far as Del Rio, that would be a Rivera call. So while the desire for the owner is to still stick it out for the season as of right now, that doesn't mean that Rivera couldn't go to them and say, hey, got to make a coaching staff change here. And then I think they would listen to that. But as far as the head coach goes, that's where that's you're going to stick with that. This is not a Josh McDaniels situation like it was with the Raiders, where this guy, that guy was so despised that you had to do something. That's not the case here. Players respect Rivera. I do think some of them feel like he's given up way too much power to Eric Bieniemy, And, you know, is that, could that be something? But that's not a reason that they want to see him fired. I think they'd like to see him kind of take some, take back some of that, to be honest. But that's not a reason that's going to, that, that's good. You know, whether it's contributed to the season or not, I don't know for sure. What I do know is that at the end of the season, if those, if the staff is still intact, then the Harris group will make their move. And because you just, there's, it's trending that way. So for you, everybody who wants it, just it's going at some point, it's going to happen. And I think you just have to let it happen that way. Cause it's not right now. It's right now. It's not the plan. Now, if they go out and get again, boat race by Miami, I don't know what's going to happen, but they've been, they've been consistent in saying this and what I've been hearing from that group, you know, from people there is just, that's this, nothing has really changed. It's funny because you wonder about how this affects the locker room and guys are obviously frustrated, very frustrated. And it's not, but again, I think if they were, if it was just a situation where it was, the anger was all directed at one guy and felt like they can't play for this guy anymore, but that's not, it's just not the sense that you get when you're in there. And maybe it doesn't matter to you, but I think it matters to the owner and to those in charge. And again, I still say, if you want to full best evaluate the offense, then you leave the offensive staff intact and you don't add responsibilities to them. Because really, again, at this point, it is about a lot of it is seeing now the question is, can Sam Howell be that guy for the long term? And it's funny because when you talk to guys like I asked Leno after the game, has this team regressed? And he goes, and there has been some regression, but he said, but there's also been improvements. And they pointed to Sam Howe's locker across the locker room. Now, Howe wasn't sitting there. And he basically dropped an F-bomb saying, that's a big effing improvement. So, and point, meaning Howe. So, like, there are guys, the linemen love that guy. 
you know, so that's that's something that they feel that has been a big change. However, you still need to evaluate him over the next six weeks or five weeks to get the to get a full value to get a full feel for who he is and, and what kind of year he had. But when you ask the guys, like, is this a topic? Like they say it's not. Now I know that they're aware of the situation. They're not dumb. They know they know what's been said out there. They know that Rivera's in his fourth year. They know they're four and eight. They know they're not playing well. You they understand things, but but it's not something they're going in the locker room and talking about and saying how they hate this guy, they hate that, you know, whatever. That's not what's going on. So anyway, whether or not that I'm not saying that to make you feel better, I'm just telling you that's how it is. So you don't you you don't have to like it, and that's that's whatever. But that's the way it is. And you know, again, at some point, coaches will be held accountable here. And and then from that day, you move forward. But it's not going to nothing is going to change now. And that's the thing that even Leto said that it's like okay, you make this change. You put the enemy in charge. He's still in charge of the offense. Del Rio's still in charge of the defense. What's cha- what's changed? So the answer would be nothing. And so they are going to maintain status quo for now. Oh man, folks, it's the same old issues though. And it's just this this stuff gets exhausting talking about it. It's, it's it gets exhausting asking coaches and players about it because there's five more weeks in this season and it's just gone off the rails. And today was just another example of that. Um, and so I'm shocked at what's at what's going on, just how bad it's been. And it's funny because it I after the Bears game, I call that one of the worst losses that I've seen since I've covered the, this team, not just because of the point differential, but because of circumstances. You know, yeah, there was a game against Kansas City. This team stunk at that point. When they played the when they played the Bears, they were they were not, they were still harboring hopes of like, Hey, making a playoff run and think, and they had already had a couple wins and you know, it's you, you, what they were, it was week four. So you're two and one and you're playing a team that hadn't won in a calendar year like that. And it was ugly. It was 27, three at halftime. That was horrible. Then, then it gets, then you say like, okay, last week against the Giants and Tommy DeVito, like that was a horrible loss. Six turnovers given. And it's not just that it's a, a big, bad loss. It's just the situation, right? And then this one was another one, another national TV game, 45 to 10. Believe it or not, in two nationally televised games, well, you do believe it because you saw it, but they've been outscored 85 to 30 in those two games. That's just disastrous. And that's what the nation, so the nation know what they know of this team is exactly that. And, and you know what? They'd be right in whatever they're thinking. But I think a lot of what this does just reveal a lot of problems with this roster. And by the way, um, well, I'll get to this in a minute, but it does really reveal problems with this roster. And this is why when when people say, oh, you just want to lose every game so they make sure they fire the staff. Well, that's fine. But if you lose all these games, it also means that these players aren't very good. And they're not, the, they're not who you thought they, they're not who we thought they were. And so like if this continues to go this way and yeah, they're going to, they'll end up with better draft picks. But you're going to need more more building to get it done. You're not going to have some guy come in here overnight and just like there's boom new we got new people here. Now they're going to be really good and they're going to roll. Now there are a lot of changes you can make, but my point is when you have a situation like this, it's also revealing about the roster. And we can't just keep saying, "Oh, they have too much talent for this." Well, do they? Do they have too much talent for this, or is this who they are? And there's some you know you could say like, well, with better coaching, you could be better. Sure, absolutely. 
But you look at the roster and say they need a lot of help. And is one offseason going to be enough? I think it can certainly point you in the in a very good direction because, again, a lot of it depends on how. And if that kid is plays well, then it makes others look better. But they still need help to build around him. And, and, and that's – but this is why I always say, like, the best case scenario for them would have been to go like seven and 10, eight and nine. And Howell's really good. The defense does what it does. And you say like, this just can't continue if that's what you want, but at least, you know, the roster's in a better spot. And right now you can't, it's hard to say that because there are a lot of changes that are going to need to be made after this year in, in rebuilding this roster in addition to whatever else takes place. And, and I, you know, I don't think it's a horrible roster, but maybe it just wasn't quite like what we thought it was um, at the beginning of the season. And that's why, like I said, it's not all about coaching. I mean, Benjamin St. Juiced has not had a good year, and I think he can play. Now, some of that goes back to, first of all, they're kind of using him as a number one cornerback because of, you know, whatever, because of this, who he's become, this is who he is right now. That's really not where I think he's going to be best in the future, right? It's not, he's not capable of going against the AJ Browns and the CD Lambs and all those guys and having the kind of success that they need. And so it, it makes you wonder, well, why, you know, they are playing more man. Why is, you know, why so much more man? And is that where he's best? Is that where this defense does best? And I know they were having some trouble with the zone match and you talk to other people. It's like other teams use that. It's not like this is the only team that uses that, but they've had trouble with it. And then you consistently have trouble in, at the safety position, whether it's with an angle, depth, whatever. And I think we saw that on that touchdown that St. Justin Butler gave up where, and I don't know for sure. So I always, you always say with, we kind of give it a little bit of caveat, but St. Juice plays it for inside help. And then Butler's getting coming more to the outside and maybe not enough depth to react to the cut back inside by the receiver, which went for a touchdown. So, but like little details like that always keep happening. And and it's it's why they're it's partly why they're four and eight. It's not the only reason by any means, but it is partly the reason why they're they're in this bad spot because it keeps happening. And again, you can go back to coaching, that's fine. Again, they're gonna at some point they'll be held accountable. And and then we'll find out for sure how much of it was the players, how much of it was the coaching. Um, usually it's a combo of both. You don't, you know, this this team has had really bad seasons before, and it's not like the following year they just turn around automatically with a new coach. It hasn't really been the case, but we, we'll see what happens with, with all that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There is so much to be thankful for. Family, friends, food, and NFL football all week long. DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping your Thanksgiving week full of action. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. No matter your appetite, there's something for you. Money lines, parlays, props, live bets, and so much more. You name it. 
They've got it. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL Thanksgiving action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code KIME. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. They need defensive ends, and we've seen that. And yeah, I know they got rid of a couple, but they need them now. And and you can see, like, Dallas attacked the edges, and it's because of what they have there. And so do they have future starters there? Well, it hasn't – I think it'd be – I don't think you can say that. You certainly can't say that at this point. Um, so that's going to be a big need for them in the offseason, at least one guy at that spot, whether in the, in the draft and maybe going out and signing a veteran free agent to play the end. And you don't have to get as high, high profile guy, but you do need to get somebody in there who can play, who can set an edge and at least help you in the run game be effective because that wasn't there today. They did not do a good job. Dallas was getting too much stuff on the outside. Um, and I think they took advantage of, of that, of those ends and the edge really mainly, not just, not just, but just the inability to set the edge, I think hurts this defense. And, you know, the other thing that hurts this defense, they don't cause any turnovers. They've had one interception in the last six games, one. And that's, that was a major point of emphasis in the off season. It's why they did certain things. It's why they drafted Emmanuel Forbes. That has not worked out at all. The kids had a really bad rookie year. I mean, he had a couple plays where you say, okay, that looks good. Overall, it's just been a disaster. And he didn't play today because the elbow injury. But again, this goes back to when you look at this organization, you're evaluating everything. It's player evals, the draft, everything. And, And so far, that draft this year has been a massive dud. Now, some guys can develop in the future. And and maybe there'll be maybe maybe Forbes develops and maybe Quan Martin helps. That's great. But so far they've gotten nothing. They have not gotten near. They haven't gotten much of anything from from that class. No no big plays. Nothing. And so I think that's been a problem as well. So you're gonna look at everything with that when you're evaluating this franchise and this this the staff et cetera. And so, but it but it does. But my whole point in that is when you're looking at this, there's a lot that's going to have to be rebuilt and. You know, maybe Quan Martin becomes that guy, becomes a guy at safety. That's fine. Uh, maybe Forbes returns and does something. Maybe Stromberg becomes the center. Not confident at all in Braden Daniels. He didn't show anything this summer to give you that. Chris Rodriguez, I do like. Um, so may, and maybe one of those ends becomes a, a solid part of the rotation. And we'll see. I mean, I think they're still learning to what they need to do as a, as pass rushers and how you have to approach it and how you can't get too wide because you still you do see that with those guys get a little bit wide, get a little bit pushed off, out of their um, path, et cetera. So, but the problem, the other problem I have too is like the details of this team just it consistently, they're not good. And, and um, again, I brought up the, the one touchdown depth, et cetera. Um, it just, 
you know, there's, there are times where like, again, again, with St. Juice, not again, I always keep saying not picking on him because he, but he gets put in these situations, but teams are teams certainly do not. They're not shy about going after him or at least his side. And like he was covering Michael Gallup, who's a fast, fast receiver. Um, but you know, when you're playing him, he's playing him off, but you're playing him a little bit deeper than you need to, because you're afraid of that speed. And then he runs a little comeback. There's a 13 yard gain. So little things like that keep happening. That's not a detail thing. That's just, that's just, you know, you're, you don't want to get beat, but you know, is he, is he showing some of those skills where you can say, build on him as a number one corner? I don't, you know, I think you need to go out and get another corner and which is a shame because you just drafted a guy in the first round and, but that's going to be, remain a need um, going forward in addition to other things. And so, you know, it's just been, it's overall just a hugely disappointing year. And this was another example of that. And, you know, let's go over some of the touchdowns in this game. Um, you have, see, on, on Dallas's first one, well, actually this, this, well, I don't think this is a touchdown. Um, but on, on Dallas's first touchdown, it was a screen and you have the, the guard lets Deron Payne get through. And that should trigger the the this the warning that hey a screen is coming, but it does not. And so there's one there's one there's a couple blockers out there, and there's one guy is Kalik Hudson. He's got no shot, and it's just it was an easy touchdown. But I think in that case, if you're the if you're the D lineman, you're a veteran, you know, instead of and that's something you have to recognize because if they're letting you through that easy, there's a reason. And when that's a way to stop that sack. Um, and then on again, I went over the set first second touchdown, which was it just seems like, and I could be wrong on this, so I don't always like being definitive about certain coverages unless you know for sure. But in that case, the way the way the the way it kind of unfolded, I think the safety's got to do a little bit better job with the depth and and where he's positioned on that one. Um, but if I'm wrong, that's fine. Um, we'll get that corrected. But um, I do think that's probably the case but i don't what i what i do know for sure is that the safety play has to improve for next year and i'm surprised to be saying that because i thought that was going to be something that was better for them this year um and one of the other touchdown runs tony pollard cam curl comes up to the hole pretty really well just doesn't make the tackle and you know that's something that he's got to do because the reason Cam curls out there is because he makes those plays. He makes the plays he's supposed to make. He's where he's supposed to be. He's not a playmaker, believe it or not. He's only he's hit the last time he had an interception was his rookie year in 2020. He's got one interception, one forced fumble his career. He's not a playmaker, so he's got to be in the right spot and make and make the tackle, make the play in the hole. That's how he makes his plays. So, but he missed it, and and that's that happens. On um, on the next touchdown, funny thing is, it looks like John Allen is being bear hugged. But John Allen, again, he hasn't he hasn't played to the level that you think he should or could. Because I and and maybe that's just being well. That's the expect that's the expectation for him. I think he knows that. I don't think he's had a bad year, but I don't think I think when you have when you lose these ends, it puts more pressure on those guys inside to make plays, and and that's something that they needed more of. And, but the other part of that too, is I watch how Dallas and I watch how other teams use their linemen. And these guys are just basically going, they're just going upfield. You don't see a lot of stunts. You don't see a lot of games and the blitzes aren't that effective. And you watch Dallas and you watch the way Dan Quinn moves guys around. And, 
You know, you watch Micah Parsons where they line up. The dude, Micah Parsons lined up over as a nose tackle one time on a first and 10. Now, I probably am just going to run it down him if I see that. However, that's what they're willing to do. And it's it's all designed to attack. They're, they're always in attack mode. And you watch the way they create pressures. You There's one time where Leno gives up inside pressure on something. But I'm convinced he does that because they they sold the look of the guy on the outside coming. Leno's eyes at the snap are on the guy. And the next thing you know, the, the, um, the defensive lineman's rushing inside. So he's got to react that way. It's too late. And then you have the guard who's already blocking inside. So that's, but Dallas does that because they create those situations where you're not sure who's coming and when. And I just don't see enough of that with this team. And I think that's something that's going to have to be corrected next year. Not that every defense has to be the same way, but you would like to see more the ability to confuse an offense about who's coming because we see the problems that arise when that's the case. And these guys just don't do it. And I thought when, and again, I go back to two years ago when they didn't have Sweat and Young, they, I felt like they were much better at creating some of those pressures. They haven't really, they haven't done that at all since those guys left. And, and this is the result. The Adventure Park at Sandy Springs Holiday Sale is here. Save 30% or more on climbing and zip lining gift certificates, season passes, axe throwing packages, and more. Our families have enough stuff. This year, give the gift of experience and adventure. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, there is something for everyone. Visited already this year? The courses evolve with the trees around them so each experience has something new to offer. Named Best Amusement Park in the DMV two years in a row, this is an opportunity you won't want to miss. This is their biggest sale of the year and purchases never expire. While the sale runs until Christmas Day, the earlier you buy, the bigger the savings. The perfect gift for families, coworkers, and friends alike is waiting for you at www.theadventurepark.com slash kind. That's www.theadventurepark.com slash kind. And that's K-E-I-M. I want to go over some of those fourth down calls because I know that was another topic after the game is with those fourth down calls. And first of all, I mean, none of them worked, but you know, they, the first two fourth downs, they did not go for it. First one was a fourth and seven. They punted from the Dallas from the 44. It's a zero, zero game. Of course, you're going to do that in that situation. The next one's a little bit iffier. It's fourth and two from the 43, but still zero, zero. So you punt, you get you pin them inside and then, which they did, and then you play good D, which they don't. Um, that's one you could quibble with, but I think at that moment, you what you don't want to do is give Dallas a short field in a scoreless game and push yourself behind. So you're going to take the chance of playing, of hoping the defense can stop them and getting the ball back. No, they did not. Um, but but I don't have a huge problem with that call. Fourth and one. I know everybody wants uh, the gun is an issue because you do. And I know Tony Romo said on the broadcast, um, and it's true, you do have limited op- run options. That's why a lot of teams don't like to run a lot out of gun. That's because it's just it limits your options as to what kind of run you can do. Um, I also know Sam Howell said with the gun, the whole purpose of that, he said, is to because they do they do have runs they can use, obviously, but it's also to keep you guessing as to is it going to be a run or a pass in that situation the fourth and one it was a heavy run formation 
and they had just thrown a third, they threw deep on third and one. I think it was, I think it was, I think people were, would, were not surprised that they ran the ball. I would say on that one, um, even, you know, you wouldn't have, ne- you wouldn't have needed Connor Stallions to, to let you know that a run was probably coming. Um, anyway, but also on that play, it's just poor execution. And Jahan Dotson is coming across the formation at the snap and he basically runs in, he bumps into Brian Robinson and what impact that had on the play. I don't know, but certainly didn't help. And you had a, the defensive lineman getting around and inside um, first Bates and then around um, Leno. And so like, it's just, but it just was poor execution all the way around. And you can quibble with again, out of the running out of the gun, what I would rather do, if you're going to run out of the gun, I'd, I'd like to see you spread a little bit more and unclog that middle because that middle was really clogged in that situation. Um, but I also think like when you're running from that tight formation, maybe and sometimes when you get that, you want to spread them out a little bit, but they also did that. But then when they did that, they would throw. So maybe if you spread and you run it, then you that's how you keep defenses wondering what's going to happen um, and, and next. And the other, you know, the other thing is, you know, last year with the Browns, Jacoby Brissett would be put in for fourth and one sneaks. And, you know, if you put him in there, of course, you probably know what's coming, but that's okay. They did that again. They did it last year when Deshaun Watson came back and it worked for them. So is that something you should consider in those situations? Because of that, this is not a tush push team. You don't have Jason Kelsey at center, but I think you can be better there because Larson is a stronger guy and Jacoby Brissett is a bigger guy. So you could always do something like that. But um, I think, you know, regardless, it didn't work. And when you, when you have, uh, when you have your guards and centers covered on the run, it's going to be a hard, it's going to be hard to convert it. Then you had a fourth down and one from their own 34. Um, At that point, they're down two scores and there's about 12 minutes left in the game. Wasn't crazy about them going for that there. It certainly felt like if you don't make it, that's the game um, because Dallas is now in scoring position again and they're going to finish it off. Um, And it was. Excuse me for there there for a minute, but I had to yawn. Um, But anyways, on that fourth and one, that was a sack and the just good pressure by Dallas, but also. I think one of the, this is where I go back to the the pressures up front and the confusion it causes the, causes these guys and you just don't see it doing the same thing for other teams where you know, you're not guys aren't sure who's going where or what they're supposed to be doing and in this case um, you had you did have like you had Jonathan Hankins driving Tyler Larson back um, and actually in this case it was not so much about the stunt there were some other plays that were like that my bad. Um, I think the previous sack was like that, but they drive, he drives Larson back. And for some reason, Larson kind of gets turned a little bit and that allows Hankins to get through. If he, if he maintains that block, then, then Hall has a chance to escape the pocket. There wasn't really anybody open right away. And that's kind of been a problem all year. Um, but anyway, there you go. Um, and then one of the sacks I want to talk about, um, it was again, off a stunt. And this is where, again, this is what I was talking about. So 75, Chris Paul gets lost a little bit. He and, and Leno take on the stun, but guy comes um, inside and, and they just, he loses them. And so, or they're not sure like who's, who's going where Leno goes the outside and the guy gets inside and um, you know, nobody went with them. That's a problem. But like why that happens a lot to these guys. And I don't see enough of that happening to other teams. And why is that? So now the last thing too, is with Hal and, 
Um, by the way, like the other part is that McLaurin with only 50 yards hasn't had a 100 yard game this year. Um, when you look at people who are probably frustrated, I think you probably put him pretty high on the list. And I don't blame him. It's his hasn't been a tough, it's been a tough year. And because that goes back to the other part. Actually, first of all, the offense actually moved the ball very well in the first half. They were doing all right. They just, you know, you, the hard part, this is where time of possession is, is a, is an, you can't just go by that because they control the ball for 37 minutes in this game, 30 or 30, a little more than 36. And they had, scored 10 points and Dallas had for 23 minutes and on offense, they scored 38 points. So it's, it's not about time of possession. I was saying this in my predictions or my keys. It's about controlling the ball, but you have to convert in the red zone. And they got a field goal one time. They scored one time, did a nice drive right before halftime. And then the most predictable drive ever occurred after they scored right before halftime that you knew it was going to happen, that Dallas would drive down and score because it's what they do. And or it's the it was what this team gives up. And it's why you just look at this defense. And say, it's not going to change. Nothing's going to change. You know, what you have to wonder is what does this mean for the future with the players they have on that roster right now, who should be part of that future. Um, and I think that's something we'll get into over the next several weeks and certainly a couple months. Um, but you'd like to see McLaurin getting more involved, but what you'd like to see is the playmakers getting more chances to make plays. And that was one of the things we were told about this offense, that we we're going to see a lot of chances for these guys to you know run after the catch and do this and that. And you're really not seeing that, not enough. And I think that's, that's a big problem. So, um, but again, the offense did move the ball and that's where the defense stunk in the first half. And then they come out in the second half and the defense does a nice job on the first few possessions, but the offense can't move. And then the game just goes once they, once they miss that fourth and one from their own 34 and it's late in the game and there's a 10 yard sack and then Dallas scores, then it, of course, you know, it's over. So it just got crazy after that. But to that point, they were still in it. If you could make it get another score, but they couldn't. And the offense didn't do it was, was not effective in the second half. And so there we are. How uh, there's a lot, there was a lot to like about his game and I'll get into this. I will watch and we'll talk about his game on a film review next week, but just to see where, where the, cause I want to see the growth in him and not just the growth, but see what kind of game did he really have? And, you know, the, the pick six was bad late in the game, not a good throw. Um, just it wasn't there. And and Bland is really good. They knew he was really good at undercutting things and he's going to play aggressively on things. And you could see him kind of being able to read. Um, you know, I think he was able to. One of the things you do is if you can eliminate routes, you can then play aggressive on what you know is coming. And I think that's what he did there. And it's why the guy set a record for most pick sixes in a season. Um, to that point, I thought Howell did a pretty nice job. Wasn't perfect, but I felt like, you know, with the pressure there was that they were getting. I think he did a good job showing that he could make plays with his legs. And I think there's, a, there's a, still a lot to like about the kid. Um, and I just think it's going to be a hard evaluation of him because of the defenses they're playing over the next, now over the next five weeks, this is a really, really difficult stretch. So we're going to learn, you know, we'll learn something about him one way or another. Um, but you, you know, you'd like to see him get more help from the, from those around him. And I'm not sure that he always does. So anyways, but I'll get into more of that later. Um, you know, this is what it is, folks. Same old story. That's it. I'll be back early next week with another one. Talk to you next time. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, and happy Thanksgiving. And appreciate you to appreciate you guys listening. I hope you know that. I'll talk to you next time.